Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of 2 Samuel, chapter 20. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. 23 years before the birth of Jesus, a Roman poet named Horace coined the familiar phrase carpe diem, carpe diem. In English, carpe diem means pluck the day, enjoy the day, or anybody know? Seize the day. You know that carpe diem can be, tra- can be a statement that uh, glorifies God, can be a statement that honors God, in that you're seizing the day, in that you're redeeming the time. It can also be a statement that dishonors God. How? Because it's very possible to seize something that dishonors God. It's very possible to seize something that dishonors God. Last week, we met two main characters. Were you with me? Uh, Actually, it was a week before last. We had communion last week. And uh, working on those crackers, by the way. Now, if you weren't in church last Wednesday, you don't know why people are laughing. You're like, what's so funny about crackers, okay? Ask somebody. We met two main characters last week. One who dishonored God by seizing the moment. His name was Zeba. And one who honored God by seizing the moment. His name was Barsilei. Chapter 19, Zeba. He's a servant of Mephibosheth. He tried to seize a moment with David. A rebellion broke out against David. Remember Mephibosheth? And uh, look at right about uh, chapter 19. Let's look at it real quick. Back up a little bit. Look at right about verse 24. Yeah, verse 24, 25, 26, chapter 19. So this rebellion broke out against David, Mephibosheth. He's the lame son of Jonathan who wanted to help. And Mephibosheth... um, wanted to, to help, so he sent his servant Zeba to get a donkey. Zeba left and told David that Mephibosheth didn't come to help because he had joined the rebellion against David. And look at verse uh, 25, chapter 19. David said, why didn't you go with me to battle, Mephibosheth? Mephibosheth said, King Zeba deceived me. He said he was going to get a donkey so I could, so I could go, and I, I couldn't get it myself because Mephibosheth was lame in both feet. In verse 27, Mephibosheth said, chapter 19, he slandered me, but the king, uh, but, but king, you have discernment like an angel of God. Do what is right in your sight. Whatever you think is right and how to handle this, then do it. So we met Zeba last week, and then we met Another gentleman, look at verse uh, 31 in chapter 19, all the way down to verse uh, 37, chapter 19, Brazilii. 
He was an 80-year-old man who totally honored God. The Bible tells us, Basilii came out to lead the king over the Jordan, and David wanted to be a blessing to Basilii for the rest of his life. David said, or Basilii said, pardon me, David, I'm old and I'm wrinkled. I don't have a long life. I can't taste. I can't drink. I can't hear. By 30, look at verse 35. There it is. Look about verse 35. Can't taste, can't drink, can't hear. I don't want to be a burden to you. Take some young guys with you. Verse 37, let your servant turn back again to die in the city. Basilii said, I don't want to end up in the Jerusalem hospital. I want to be buried in my own city near the grave of my father and my mother and relax and enjoy the grandkids in my later life. And then we left off in verse 40 through 43. The northern tribes felt excluded from welcoming David. And they said, why has the men of Judah stolen you away across the Jordan? So now they love David. Remember, and, and, and just a couple of chapters ago, they loved Absalom. Now they love David. People are fickle. Uh-huh. And they want to be a part of David's kingdom now. In verse 42, the men of Judah said, because the king is a close relative. So why has the men of Judah stolen, stolen you away, David? Because the king, David, is a close relative. We talked about that the last time. We come to chapter 20 tonight. And as we come, uh, we're actually coming, to, coming in for a close to the end of the book. Actually, chapter 20 kind of closes off the book, and then you have some closing comments in the final uh, chapters. I've titled this sermon... Carpe diem, you guessed it. Chapter 20, saints, we're going to take two big chunks of text tonight just to kind of wrap it up. All right, chapter 20, we're looking at verse 1. If you're with me, say amen. And there happened to be there a rebel whose name was, what's his name, saints? Seba, the son of Bichri, a Benjamite. And he blew a trumpet and he said, we have no share in David. Notice what he says, three things. We have no share in David, nor do we have inheritance in the son of Jesse. Every man to his own tents, O Israel. So every man of Israel deserted David and followed Sheba, the son of Bichri. But the men of Judah from the Jordan, as far as Jerusalem, remained loyal to the king. Now David came to his house at Jerusalem, and the king took ten women, his concubines, whom he had left to keep the house, and put them in seclusion and supported them, but did not go into them. And so they were shut up to this day, to the day of their death, living in widowhood. And the king said to Amasa, assemble the men of Judah for me in three days and be present here yourself. And so Amasa went to assemble the men of Judah, but he delayed longer than the set time which David had appointed. And David said to Abishai, now Sheba, the son of Bichri, will do us more harm than Absalom. Take your Lord's servants and pursue him, lest he find for himself fortified cities and escape us. And so Joab's men with the Cherethites and the Pelethites and all the mighty men went out after him, and they went out to Jerusalem to pursue Sheba, the son of Bichri. And when they were at the large stone, which is in Gibeon, Amasa came before them. Now Joab, note this saints, was dressed in battle armor. On it was a belt with a sword fastened to its sheath at his hip. And as he was going forward, he, it fell out. 
And then Joab said to Amasa, are you in good health, my brother? And Joab took Amasa by the beard with his right hand to kiss him. But Amasa did not notice that the sword was in Joab's hand and he struck him in the stomach. Some of your Bibles say under the fifth rib and his entrails poured out on the ground. Everybody say, ooh. Mm. And he did not strike him again. And thus he died. And then Joab and Abishai, his brother, pursued Sheba, the son of Bichri. Meanwhile, one of Joab's men stood near Amasa and said, whoever favors Joab and whoever is for David, follow Joab. But Amasa wallowed in his blood in the middle of the highway. And when the men, when the man saw that all people stood still, he moved Amasa from the highway to the field and threw a garment over him. And when he saw that everyone was come upon him, he halted. When he was removed from the highway, all the people went on Joab, went on after Joab to pursue Sheba, the son of Bichri. Saints, stop right there, giving your attention. So we met, we meet this guy named Sheba, and we don't really know anything about him except his name means worthless man, worthless man. Literally in Hebrew, the son of the devil. Uh, think about that. I was thinking about that today. Like, your name is recorded in the Bible as a worthless man. I mean, that's, you live with that for the rest of all eternity. His name means worthless man, son of the devil. The title, this title worthless is used 15 other times in the Old Testament, 15 times. And it speaks of people who are morally and spiritually corrupt. And the rest of the chapter clearly demonstrates Sheba's corrupt character. Scholars have traced Sheba uh, to be directly related to Saul because he was a Benjamite. Verse 1 tells us that he was a Benjamite. And Saul, you know, was a Benjamite. Notice the Bible tells us three things about this Sheba. He blew the trumpet and said, we have no share in David, we have no inheritance in David, every man to his tents, O Israel. We have no share in David. Sheba denied the king's authority, if you're taking notes. He denied the king's authority and his sovereignty. He claimed that David had no right to reign over him or the ten tribes of Israel. We have no share in David. Number one, we have no inheritance in the son of Jesse. So he denied the king's sovereignty. He devalued the king's identity Jesse was a humble farmer. Sheba wanted to point out and highlight David's humble beginnings. Sheba denied the king's sovereignty. He devalued the king's identity. And finally, every man to his own tent, O Israel, Sheba decided to go his own way and draw other people with him. He denied the king's sovereignty. He devalued the king's identity and he decided to go his own way and draw other people after him. Notice that. G. Campbell Morgan, a theologian and author, said this about this statement. We have no share in David, nor do we have an inheritance in the son of Jesse, was an effective slogan promoted by Sheba. The story should teach us that popular and plausible catchwords ought to be received and ought to be received and acted upon with great caution. I love G. Campbell Morgan. Perhaps you're familiar with him. Notice the Bible tells us that Sheba cried carpe diem. He was seizing the day. 
Sheba saw that there was confusion among the people. He saw an opportunity to overthrow David and maybe become a king to the other tribes. We don't know his end game. We do know, look at verse 2, the men of Israel followed Sheba's lead. It tells us every man of Israel deserted David and followed Sheba. Listen, saints, there are people um, disgruntled among the tribes. And Sheba, you get the, the text from the, the context from chapter 19 and chapter 20. So people are disgruntled among the tribes and Sheba takes advantage of that. And he successfully draws away the 10 northern tribes. And David has another civil war or another rebellion to deal with. Sheba had the opportunity to either promote unity or promote himself. And it took and he took and he, and he took to speech and he took to rhetoric to lead the people in his own path. Keep the flow. Keep the flow of both chapters. There is finally going to be healing among the people from Absalom trying to take his dad's throne. And now David's finally coming back. But Mephibosheth is saying, King, do whatever you think is right. Things are great. Brasilia is helping and there is good stuff going on. And then enters, did you get that? The scene, Sheba. And the devil uses him to cause confusion and discord. It is unfortunate, saints, but this is true spiritually. It's true in the spiritual realm. Where there's good stuff going on, the enemy is going to seek to ambush. The Bible says we are not ignorant of the devil's tactics. I think of First um, Peter. 5, 8, be sober, be vigilant, because the adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. John chapter 10, verse 10, the thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and that you might have abundantly. Saints, listen, why can't we get this? Why can't we get this? Satan hates reconciliation. Satan hates forgiveness. Satan hates grace. He hates grace. Satan loves division and gossip and slander. The tongue is his specialty. James 3, 6. And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. The tongue is so set among our members that it defiles a whole body. And sets on fire the course of nature and is set on fire by hell. The main way the devil finds his way into human existence is through the tongue. It doesn't matter whether it's bigotry or abortion or immorality or discord or gossip. It's through the tongue and it always divides and it is always bad and it is never of God. It's never of God. Gossip, discord, disunity is never of the Lord. You can't ever, ever, ever justify it. And everyone is coming to David in our text. The tribes are fighting. The Bible says there's this rebel hanging out there. And if you're in a situation where something's being healed or something's being put back together, you can expect a rebel, a rebel to be there to distract. There's always somebody. There won't be they won't be peaceable, and they always want their own. They want their own. That's, that's Sheba. Look at verse 2. Every man deserted David and followed the devil. Uh-huh. Y'all with me? 
but the men of Judah remained loyal to David. Second Samuel chapter 16. At the council of Ahithophel, Absalom takes David's concubines and had sex with them. Don't you remember? Chapter 16 has sex with them in front of the whole nation. This was an act of treason. And David provides for them and takes care of them because it's the right thing to do. And he felt this was an honorable thing to do, but he, and he never went into them. Now, now, don't forget, listen, as you study 2 Samuel, don't forget this. As a matter of fact, hold your place right here. Put your little Bible marker thingy there. And go with me to Second Samuel 12. Look at second, because I don't want you to forget this. Because we're actually coming in for a landing on Second Samuel. But I don't want you to forget this, because this is woven throughout the entire chapter. Second Samuel chapter 12. And look at verse 10 and 11. Second Samuel 12, 10 and 11. You, y'all with me? Now, therefore, the sword shall never depart from your house because you have despised me. God said through the prophet Nathan to David, because you've despised me and have taken the wife of Uriah the Hittite to be your wife, thus says the Lord, look at verse 11, behold, I will raise up adversary against you from your own house and I will take your wives before your eyes and give them to your neighbor and he shall lie with your wives in the sight of this son. Listen. Verse 3, go back with me to um, uh, uh, chapter 20. Verse 3 is not only pointing us back to Absalom's actions in chapter 16. It's more than just a sad note about the fate of some mistreated concubines. It's a fulfillment of Bible prophecy and what God said to Nathan or to David through Nathan that the sword would never not for a long period of time, not for a couple of generations, but never. And let me tell you something about Hebrew. In the Hebrew language, never means never. Never means never. The sword will never depart from your house. This is a fulfillment of, 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 of a Bible prophecy. Look at verse uh, 4 and 5. David said to his cousin Amasa, get the men of Judah together. And I want you to be here with them. Amasa was Absalom's former general. David made him the commander of his army as a peacemaking move. David said, get the men of Judah together in the next three days. David knew that time was of the essence. When Absalom had the chance to crush David, he didn't take advantage of the opportunity. And David didn't want to make that same mistake with Sheba. In verse 5, it tells us he delayed longer than the set time. Amasa was, wasn't up to the job. He wasn't a military man. Again, Amasa was Absalom's general. He wasn't a good general, remember? He, he, he uh, makes me think of the 20,000 men that were killed in Absalom's army under his leadership. So he really wasn't a good general. Joab was a great general but he didn't follow David's orders. Amasa wasn't up to the job. And David is thinking, we got to stop Sheba before he destroys the whole nation. Verse six, David said to Abishai, Sheba will do more harm than Absalom. Chase after them so he doesn't make it to the fortified cities. Joab's men in verse seven, the Cherethites, the Pelethites, and all the mighty men went out after him. Abishai, which is Joab's brother, and David's personal guard. Joab was the field commander. 
kind of like a special forces or Navy SEALs in verse 7, the Cherethites and the Pelethites and all the mighty men went out and they're in hot pursuit of Sheba, the son of Bichri. And they're at this large stone in verse 8 in Gibeah or Gibeon, five miles north of Jerusalem. Amasa didn't assemble the army of Judah quickly enough, probably got back to Jerusalem and found out it was too late. And David had given command to Abishai. Amasa catches up with the troops who are loyal to David. Look at verse 8. Joab had this battle uniform on with a sword fastened to his hip. And as he was walking, the sword fell out. Joab said to Amasa, hey, cousin, you all right? Good health? Joab took Amasa by the beard with his right hand to kiss him. Amasa didn't notice the sword that was in Joab's hand. And Joab struck Amasa under the fifth rib or in the stomach. And his entrails poured out and Amasa died. And Joab, you know, if you've been with us, he's got a lot of notches in his sword. Notches in the belt, notches in the sword, right? People he murdered, Abner, Absalom, Amasa. Keep in mind, Joab was a seasoned soldier. A Jewish historian, you know, I quote him pretty often. His name is uh, Josephus. He's, uh, he said this, the old general allowed his sword to fall out on purpose so he would have an excuse for approaching Amasa with a naked sword in his hand. Joab was quite the warrior, quite the general. Then Joab in verse 11, and Abishai, his brother, pursued Sheba, the son of Bichri. One of Joab's men said, if you're with David, follow Joab. Amasa's laying there in the blood in the middle of the highway. Y'all get that? When the man saw that, all the people stood still. Everybody is supposed to be following Joab. When they see this man lying there, There's a traffic jam and they stop. It's almost like when you're on the freeway and you, you ever like in in traffic on the freeway and you're looking up there and going, what, what? Is there like an accident up there? You're trying to look up there and, you know, now you can do like the Google thing for like traffic accidents or something. Can't you do that now? Yeah. Okay. I don't know how, but I know people who can and you can look for, and you look for the accident and then you get up there. And you realize there's no accident. It's just people looky-loos. And then you get up there and you do the same thing you mad at everybody else about. Because you you drive and you're just like, come on, y'all, get out of the way. Come on, I got to go. And then when you get up to the accident, you go. <laughs> and you about to stop your car. You do the same thing everybody else does. But who likes looky-loos? Nobody does. It's a cause of traffic jam. And the man noticed it in our text. He moved a mesa from the freeway and the people continued to follow Joab going after Sheba in verse 13. Okay, so let's pick up in verse 14 and we'll read right down to the end of the chapter. And he went through in verse 14, all the tribes of Israel to Abel and Beth and all the Barites. So they were gathered together and also went after Sheba. And then they came and they besieged him in Abel of Beth Makkah, and they cast upon, they cast up a siege mound against the city, and it stood by the rampart. And all the people who were with Joab battered the wall to throw it down. Then a wise woman, look at verse 16, then a wise woman cried out from the city, Hear, hear, please say to Joab, come nearby that I might speak with you. Let me have a word with you, Joab. 
And when he had come near to her, the woman said, Are you Joab? He answered, I am. And she said to him, Hear the words of your maidservant. He answered, Okay, I'm listening. And she spoke, saying, They used to talk in former times, saying, they shall, see, they shall surely seek guidance at Abel. And so they would end disputes. I am among the peaceable and faithful in Israel, she said. You seek to destroy a city and a mother in Israel. Hey, I'm in the city and I'm a mom. Why would you swallow up the inheritance of the Lord? And Joab answered and said, far be it, far be it from me that I should swallow up or destroy. That is not so. But a man from the mountains of Ephraim, Sheba, the devil, the son of Bichri, by name, has raised his hand against the king, against David. Deliver him. Give him to me. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch and Calvary Chapel Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. Or you may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.